Hello, I'm Connor Pope. This is In The News, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today, why are people protesting about MICA and what do they want from the government? On Tuesday, a huge protest took place outside the Convention Centre in Dublin. The protesters were there to ask the government for help because the homes they bought or built are falling apart due to a structural defect called mica. My name's Oliver Lafferty. I found out over 10 years ago that my house was crumbling and I got tests to tell me that mica is the problem and I've been trying to force that, those results on the government ever since and they will not listen. And eventually we have got a bit of support now because over the years all the people now realise that the government have abandoned us. Last year, the government announced a redress scheme for people whose homes are affected, but the protesters say it isn't enough. It's not fair. I spent my life savings and I'm still working hard. Week in, week out, 365 days a year, I take no holidays uh, to pay for what we have, and it's crumbling around us through no fault of our own. The problem is found across the country, but especially in County Donegal, where MICA is having a devastating effect on thousands of people's lives. Patricia Campbell, we have uh, been authorised to demolish your home due to the defect of MICA blocks. It's a bitter pill to swallow, to be quite honest. It's difficult to get that news and to try and comprehend it and digest it. And to be honest, you never will. This has been an ongoing 10-year nightmare and that's why we're here today and we asked our government today for 100% redress this is no fault of our own absolutely none and we shouldn't have to pay one single penny towards this redress scheme not one and we certainly shouldn't have to be saving doors windows kitchens and everything else and i asked our government today to stand up and take notice of the people that are here and end this mental health nightmare once and for all. I'm angry and I'm sad at the same time. One of the people affected by MICA is Eileen Doherty, the spokesperson for the MICA Action Group. Last week, Eileen learned that her family's house is damaged beyond repair. We have to move out. I have My home has to be demolished. My dad and my family are a working building. And there's a, 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 there's a huge amount of emotional ties by the fact that 20 years ago the home was built by my family. It's been demolished. My children came home from hospital and that, to that home. This is our, was our forever home. I think people sometimes misunderstand and they look at this from a financial perspective. The amount of emotional ties that we have to these homes cannot be overstated. And it's absolutely horrendous for us to have to do this. It's just horrendous. How exactly did this happen? The issue is caused by what's called a mineral called muscovite mica found in concrete blocks. Muscovite mica is a natural mineral that actually comes from rock. So when a block manufacturer excavates from the quarry, they are meant to assess and analyse the quarry for levels of mica because anything above 1% mica that is used in the production or concrete products 
means that the blocks will start to fall apart. Yeah. So the maximum level of mica that you're meant to find in a block is 1%. So, for example, the blocks that I have in my house when, I, when undergoing testing showed 17% mica in my blocks. 17%? And remember, 17, and the maximum is 1%. And again, to just give you a little bit more of an idea what that means, for every additional 1% mica that is found in a concrete block, over yeah. the threshold 1%, the block strength decreases by 5% for each additional 1%. So by the time you get to 17%, your block strength is effectively nothing. That's what the issue is. The blocks were manufactured over a sustained period where they had excessive levels of mica that did not conform to regulation. In addition to that, the government did not provide oversight to ensure that this didn't happen. I mean, they had their own right, the regulations were in place, and they also had EU regulations to ensure that they adhere to. And both in since they absolutely failed and that's why we feel really wrong that we are asked to pick up the pieces our homes are crumbling When homeowners in Donegal first began to notice cracking in their walls attempts to get compensation from builders or from the providers of defective materials failed Home insurance policies didn't cover the damage In fact, insurance companies would rescind home insurance policies if they found out a home had mica that was a massive concern and actually that was a massive obstacle for families coming forward. In the early days we kept wondering why are more families not coming forward because we could see it. We we visually driving around the county could see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds mm. of houses affected yet the numbers remained really low for a long time and we couldn't understand it and eventually when families started speaking to us and coming forward one of the biggest concerns they had was if I admit that I have this will you tell my insurance company and will my home no longer be insured? So things like that were massive constraints to families even coming forward um, so the psychological stress I mean we've dealt with many families where maybe the, one of the partners you typically the husband might come forward and say look we have it but I'm I really can't bear to tell my wife you know the stress that this has put on families is unbelievable I mean the families that have come forward to us to tell us about the fact that they have bison slabs above their first floor um, to yeah. support this you know to support their upstairs I mean the bison slabs at a weight of a hundred ton of concrete and steel now these are the same blocks that support oh, these bison and slabs that don't even hold a picture on the wall where the curtain frames are curtain poles are falling down because the blocks are so weak you can imagine the stress of families going to bed at night not knowing if those blocks would actually sustain that weight overnight that's that's what people have to live with for years how many people are we talking have been impacted sure in 2017 the government's own investigation indicated approximately 5000 private dwellings to be affected affected in Donegal alone just remember and think about that, 5,000 dwellings. Now, if you approximate four people per dwelling, we're talking 20,000 people at a minimum and affected in the county. Now, we believe strongly that that number is wholly conservative and is very, very underestimated sure. in terms of private dwellings. But add to that, the, the local authority in Donegal have recently indicated that their levels of social housing units are around the 1,000 social housing units as well. To add that to the, that figure, in addition to that, you have schools, you have hospital departments, you have doctor surgeries, you have community centres, you have um, constructions such as uh, windmills, which were used, uh, the block work was used, you have bridges, you have footpaths. This is unbelievable. They are falling down. In 2019, the Government Redress Scheme was announced. The scheme would cover 90% of the cost of repairs, with the other 10% to be paid by the owners. 
MICA campaigners were disappointed, pointing out that a similar scheme for homes affected by another defect, pyrite, got 100%, but many still applied. I mean, we felt hugely relieved in January 2020 when this finally, um, you know, went over the line and that we finally got approval. But the reality is, as we've started to, as it started to be rolled out, there was an awful lot of things that really were hidden within the terms and conditions and the fine detail of the scheme. You know, things like, for example, and again, we look at the comparison with the pirate uh, scheme. Yeah. And if you think about to prove eligibility on the defective block scheme, you have got to put an upfront cost for testing off between. Um, Five and eight thousand euro upfront of your own money to mm. prove eligibility onto the scheme. Before you do anything, you have to do that. Now, if you compare that with the pirate scheme, they have to pay five hundred and fifty euro. Um, so the eligibility and the criteria in order for them to be involved in the scheme is significantly less. Now, that has a massive obstacle for so many families to even be able to avail of the scheme, to register for the scheme, to even do anything. Now, if you first manage to surmount that issue, there's massive other issues such as there's a huge number of exclusions. Now, I've heard over the last number of weeks and months, particularly the government talk about a 90-10 scheme, yeah. and about how they provide up to 275,000 per home. Those are very, very misleading comments. Um, it isn't a 90-10 scheme. It's a 90% contribution of only a limited number of features of your home. For example, it doesn't include your kitchen, it doesn't include your external windows and doors, it doesn't include your sanitary wear, it doesn't include the cost of drawing up new plans or planning permission. So uh, there's a huge amount of hidden costs that we have got to bear the brunt of yeah. in order to get our home back to exactly what it should have been like and the home that we bought and paid for. So we don't feel it's very fair that the government would mislead saying, well, we're giving 90% and you're only talking about the other 10%. We're not. We're asking the government to absolutely look at the scheme and to deliver a scheme that will actually give us our homes that we bought and paid for. You know, so and the other thing, the 275 that they keep talking about, we give you 275,000 per home. Uh, up to a cap, a maximum grant. It's not 275,000. The 275,000 that they keep referring to includes 10% allocation from me as a homeowner. Yeah. So that's 27,500 is included in that. The, the VAT is included in that. So the actual top end figure, if we manage to get the maximum grant for a demolition rebuild, is in around 240,000. So you can start to see how looking at the exclusions, looking at the actual maximum grant that's available, looking at the increased costs because of Brexit, huge number of increased costs of material like uh, like timber, like steel, uh, even labour costs. This scheme at the current rate is just not sustainable. It means that so many families who have done absolutely nothing wrong are excluded from the scheme. They can't access the scheme because they can't afford the cost for the testing. So this scheme, we've, we're, we're here today to say to the government, we have tried to say this diplomatically. We have communicated with you. We've held meetings. We've done this for years. And now we're here to say loud and clear, you need to do something. We are now all in the position where we're moving out of our homes. I am moving out in the next number of months. There's no rental costs. There are rental costs with uh, Pyrite. We're just asking for fair treatment. Pyrite families deserve 100% treatment. They absolutely deserve the, the, what they got. But we just ask for the same treatment and Donegal and Mayo. That's it. People have been campaigning against MICA for many years, but the issue has never got as much national attention as it's getting now. This feels like a decisive moment in the story. What are you hoping the demonstration in Dublin will achieve? We are hoping that that demonstration will achieve um, a government to take a really good look at the existing scheme, 
to look at the detail that we have communicated to them over and over again. At the gates today of Convention Centre, or the steps of the Convention Centre, we will once again hand over each of the party leaders um, a letter, which is again a reiteration of our the issues that we have with the scheme. We ask them to look at it in comparison to the pirate scheme and um, to consider the lack of equality that they are affording the people of Donegal. We, are, we feel absolutely as if we are being treated as second-class citizens. We feel that we are too far away from the capital to matter. We are asking them to really take into account the concerns, not just the financial concerns, the absolutely massive implications this is having for people's mental health. The fact that if they don't do something quickly that we are potentially looking at these homes collapsing. This is an absolutely urgent issue. We cannot afford to wait for another three, six months or a year. We can't afford to kick it down the road. Uh, we also appreciate that, you know, this is COVID times. This is the last thing we wanted to have to do. But if you understand that over the last 15 months, we in Donegal, the same as everyone else in Ireland, have been asked to stay home and to stay safe. But unfortunately for us, our homes are not safe. And the whole COVID experience has really exacerbated and reinforced the lack of a sanctuary that we have in Donegal in our homes. And we ask them to consider realistic um, changes to this, to this scheme to make this accessible by everyone and to enable us to move on with their lives. That's it. Are you angry this has all taken so long to get to this point? A point that we're not really at the end point yet. Yeah, I'm, I, I definitely am really angry. I'm angry for the fact that, you know, personally, I suppose I've, I've spent over seven years um, dealing with government, trying to convince them, you know, they're initially saying there isn't an issue, you have no evidence, you have no evidence of scale, you have no evidence of cause. This has gone on for years and years. I mean, in the meantime, whilst we have fought and fought really hard, um, you know, my children have grown up. Um, I have spent hours and weeks and thousands of calls and thousands of hours uh, writing letters, writing emails, having meetings, uh, talking to families. This is stuff, this should have been avoided. This is something that the government should have resolved a long time ago. So yes, I am angry. And I'm even more angry if they continue to do that. They continue to put us families through this absolute torture. We ask them to just do something and do something now to do the right thing. And of course, the seven years that, that you've lost effectively with this becoming such an all consuming issue, like time is precious and you're not getting that back. You're not getting that time with your children back, your time with your family back. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's exactly how we feel. I think everyone feels the same. And add to that that now the scheme is rolled out. So we are now up against it in terms of our homes have been condemned. You know, our, my home has been um, indicated as um, excessive levels of mica. Uh, absolutely terrible block strength. So I know that our, my home is not safe. So we don't have the opportunity to spend another number of years or whatever. We have got to move out soon. So th th these issues can't be resolved or kicked down, the, they can kick down the road anymore. We have got to get these issues resolved and resolved quickly. Coming up, Irish Times political correspondent Jennifer Bray on how the government has reacted to the demands of the MICA protesters. Okay, so Jennifer, what are the political implications of the MICA story, both in the short term and maybe even the medium to long term? Well, I think if you're talking about the, the news cycle and, and the pressure that's on the government, it would appear that it's been on the Minister for Housing for days now. But in reality, this pressure has been increasing on the government for years. And I think it's come to a head now because many of these homeowners have found that they can't pay 
the remainder of their bills uh, or that the situation has become so dire in terms of the building or the home itself uh, that they effectively had to take this action where they come to Dublin to protest. As thousands of people marched through Dublin today, the Cabinet met and heard a new proposal from the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien. And what this involves basically is a setting up of a time-limited committee. This committee would include uh, department officials, the MICA Action Group, um, representatives from Mayo and Donegal, local authority representatives. And this would be a working group. And what they would seek to do would be to identify what are the outstanding issues? How can they be addressed uh, in terms of the redress scheme or the compensation scheme, which currently offers up to 90% of the rebuilding or remediation costs? That group then will come back to government at the end of July, July 31st, with those proposals. And then the Minister for Housing, Darbrine, would bring them to Cabinet. And I think it shows you the degree of pressure that he was under that he brought this to Cabinet today. Because like I said, this is an issue that's been kind of bubbling over for, for many, many years now. The one thing that I think is kind of worrying officials in the department and across government uh, will be the cost of this. And it will cost at least one billion um, and, and possibly well beyond that. And it comes at a time when the Department of Housing in particular is under some very serious acute pressure uh, in terms of housing and housing demand and housing expenditure. Um, having said that, I think the political reality of the situation is that they will have to go some of the way towards that 100%. And I note in the doll that the Sinn Féin leader, Mary Lou Macdonald, asked uh, Taoiseach if he would commit to the 100% and, uh, and and he wouldn't and kind of accused her of sloganeering and, and, and that, which is nothing new. That's exactly what happens in the doll every week. And tell me, do you think the government will have done enough to offset this as a, a potentially greater crisis uh, by the measures it's taken today? It's hard to know. Um, I mean, it does strike me that setting up this committee and putting a deadline of July 31st is effectively kicking this to touch until the summer recess, because if I'm not mistaken, that's either the exact week uh, that the doll goes into recess or it is a couple of days after. And, you know, usually what you would have in August. Now, this wasn't the case last August because of COVID, but usually August is very quiet and there's not much happening politically. Um, so on one hand, I think they've, they've certainly kicked it to the, the outer end of the doll term, which takes a bit of heat off them. But when you get to that stage, I feel they might be setting themselves up uh, for an even greater reckoning in August when things are quieter. And actually, this could take over the news cycle effectively if they don't fully address it. So a lot depends on what those proposals are and how they how they plan to, to pay for them. Jennifer Bray, thanks very much for talking to us. On Tuesday night, Sinn Féin brought a motion to the Dáil to extend the redress scheme to 100% of the cost of repairs. The government had already announced it would not oppose the motion. And I want to say to people very clearly that I, as Minister for Housing, that the government, the Taoiseach, Cabinet and my, my colleagues in government are committed to making changes to this scheme to make sure this scheme works. There is a big body of work in this. In the news, we'll be back in your feeds soon.